Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. All right, well, I mean, I've never been to Mexico, but I kind of feel like I should go to uh, experience the altitude and to see if other teams hit as many home runs in a game as the Giants and Padres did this weekend. Yeah, I mean, they they sure hit a lot of home runs in games that were technically baseball games. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite bit from the weekend regrettably is this was Susan Slusser's tweet after Saturday night's game saying, I learned after the game that the humidor is not set at Colorado levels or lower. It's set at the same 70 degrees and 57% humidity as the 29, not Colorado park uh, parks. That's a joke. One members of the traveling giants traveling party said, who do you want to guess who that, who might've said that? Uh, oof. Logan Webb. <laughs> I was gonna say Sergio Romo. Yeah, I we, mean the thing about Romo is I think he pitched in the Mexican league briefly. So he, that, you know, might have been more used to it. Then it's either Hunter Pence or Larry Bear. It's not Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence would be like, it's baseball, baby, let's go, let's get out there and play. Let's do it, let's do it. And he'd be like, Man, you can't pitch. What do you what do you do? He'd be like, let's do it. Okay. There was a video posted because he was doing, uh, you know, community outreach type events. The Gigantes, there's like a kid, a youth program that the Giants were sponsoring. I, Jock Peterson was there as well. But in the video, he and his wife, uh, who is a social media influencer, uh, they were going around and he he did some batting practice at the stadium as well. And his swing still looked good, but obviously uh, the, the altitude, the, his balls were going out there, too. So. It's it's everybody. Everybody gets a turn, I guess. So, <laughs> Tyro Estrada called it increíble. The eleven home runs. In- <laughs> uh, I called it, it. It was one of those things where it was a joke that was funny. Then it stopped being funny, and then I think it kind of got funny again, and then it stopped being funny again, and it ended yeah. on not being funny. It ended on not being funny because after the second time the Giants hit back to back homers. And I think they, they took the lead in that inning. Instead of enjoying it, you're just like, well, you know, bottom of the inning, the Padres are just going to get him right back. Like, it wasn't even like being doomer about the Giants. Like, it doesn't matter what the Giants pitchers do at that point. The Padres are just going to get those runs back. And they did. So uh, the Padres scored 16 runs that game. Two per inning. Thank goodness Alex Cobb is a ground ball pitcher, Doug. Because. <laughs> at least there was the promise of the go- the ball being on the ground. Now they thought about everything here in Mexico city because the infield dirt is hard and fast. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it really is sort of a, if you don't give up one way, friends one way, you'll give them up another, but... And uh, do you think Alex Cobb is going to file a complaint with the embassy after what he experienced? I mean, he was willing to come out and publicly criticize the pitch clock, but uh, what happened today was was pretty rough for a ground ball pitcher who who likes to see things go a certain way. Don't you think ground ball pitchers is like, there's an order. There's a way that baseball goes. I pitch the ball this way and the ball gets hit and the contact results in this. And, and, and today was not Alex Cobb's, uh, that's not what he imagined would happen. No, I think this has the potential to cause an international incident. Uh, (laughs) it's just so hard to pitch there. You know, if you give up any fly ball, it's a home run. If you have any ball on the ground, it goes, uh, I don't know the numbers five times as fast as it would on a regular infield with how hard that dirt is. And so it's just, how are you supposed to get outs? Um, if you don't have a good, if you can't throw a good breaking ball either because of the altitude, it's a really tough place to pitch. Now it wasn't all bad for the giants this past week. People seem to forget. I mean, Alex Cobb did have a phenomenal start, a shutout. There was a walk-off home run from Blake Sable, the rule five pick. That was exciting. The Giants took three out of four from the Cardinals, which was very important. It was the week has basically gone exactly as you predicted, Doug, which is why I have you as the co-host. But (laughs) uh, the I think there's definitely some positives you can take away from the week. And it was sort of a relief, uh, not just for your predictions to turn out, Doug, but just because um, you could feel it. It was like, well, they're not a terrible team, so let's see them play well. I would have liked to have seen them sweep that series against the Cardinals because in, in the fourth game of the series, that was the Cardinals worst starter and the giants <laughs> couldn't touch him. So that was, that was disappointing. You know, once you get the first three, you want, you want to finish the sweep. It's how often do teams get a, the giants in particular, get a complete a four game sweep. I, it's really rare. And especially against the Cardinals who are a loathsome, loathsome bunch. But on the other hand, you can't complain about going three and one in a four game series against a team that has Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. I know they're not playing up to their potential right now, but at some point this year they will. Um, they'll just be really annoying. They'll go like 23 and five over over like June and uh, and you'll get just so annoyed because they never lose and they'll make the playoffs and you're like, well, good thing the Giants took three or four of them when they were bad. And the Giants were not the ones who got them going. Uh, so, you know, it's it's great to see. Do you want that fourth game? Yeah, I mean, you have Logan Webb up against their worst pitcher. You want the offense to be able to score a run there, but they didn't, and it happens. But you really can't complain about how the series went overall. No. Uh, an update on the humidor. I just saw this pop up. Susan Slusser following a prone report from Saturday. More humidor info. Yesterday's game balls were set at sea level settings. The ones for today, for Sunday, were in the humidor yesterday when there was a malfunction that led to lower humidity. MLB believes that will have marginal impact, if any, but that would be a benefit to pick two pitchers, if so. A a malfunctioning humidor in a two-game series that you knew about months in advance. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds legit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're all happy about that. Doug, what was something that you found interesting about the Giants this past week? Taylor Rogers pitched well. Uh, he had two games and did not give up a run in either of them. 
Uh, and one of those games was in Mexico City, where he was, it was the, the Saturday game. He was the only Giants pitcher to not give up a run, I believe, in that game. Which, uh, if you had money on that before the game, hey, <laughs> that paid out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he, you know, he's looked a lot better lately. If you look at kind of um, his pitch usage, he's almost completely abandoned that new cutter that uh, got so much hype over the over the offseason and was such a terrible pitch in the early going. He threw he's thrown since uh, the 15th um, in Detroit. He's only throw it, thrown it at all in two of his seven appearances, and both of them he didn't throw it that many times. It was 8% against the Mets and 7% against the Cardinals, and he has not given up a run in that since the 15th. So I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that pitch wasn't ready, and since he scrapped it, he's looked like a much better pitcher, which the Giants need. Uh, their bullpen has been, has been trouble, and... They could really use a consistent arm. I, I don't care about the money they're paying him. That's fine. Whatever. I, I just would like a good pitcher in the bullpen. Wanted to follow up on a thing I was ranting about last week uh, that's now moved into a uh, interesting thing. It's interesting, Doug, that the two guys the Giants were counting on against left-handed pitchers, as soon as they came back into the lineup, the Giants were suddenly a little bit better against left-handed pitchers, and that is Austin Slater and Mitch Haniger. Uh, so I was the interesting part is I'm relieved. I'm interested to see how they will continue to do while the Giants have them because when I say the names Mitch Haniger and Austin Slater, I the I immediately my brain does this. Mitch Haniger, Austin Slater injury. Like immediately, <laughs> that's, that's how my brain works. So uh, I expect them both or one of them to get hurt. It could be simultaneous. They could collide in the outfield. That'll take two birds <laughs> with one stone or one after the other. It doesn't matter. But for now, the Giants have them uh, and they're playing and they're doing what they need to. So I was interested to see how they would do because I was a little concerned. Maybe potentially I could have egg on my face, but I, I didn't. So I was interested in that. I mean, the thing that impressed me about them is that usually baseball isn't that linear. Like, usually you're not like, well, when these two guys come back, everything's going to be better. You know, when you say that, 95% of the time, they come back and they're okay and everything's not better. And this time I was like, no, they really just did fix it. Just yeah. just Hanniger and Slayer full-on fixed the problems against lefties. Uh, the plan was was not terrible. Yeah, you're totally right. And and I did I definitely had that thought of like, okay, well, what if they get out the gates and they're whatever and they don't they don't look all that great? You know, that doesn't mean anything. A week or two from now it could all start to warm up. But you're right, you don't usually hit the ground right. <laughs> and like even even if they came back and they're like even if Austin Slater went like one for three with a walk in each of his first couple of games, like, yeah, that's pretty good, but the Giants aren't that much better. No. And you're like, yeah, I can kind of no, they just suddenly improved. I you know. <laughs> I, I'd love to say I saw that coming, but <laughs> anything else interesting? Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. had a oh really my god! Good, <laughs> um, he, you know, he's he's had a phenomenal walk rate all year, so he's been worth having in that leadoff spot, even with the low batting average. Uh, but he just he just went off this week. He uh, over the six days from Sunday to Saturday, because that's what I have stats for. He hit 368 on base percentage, 478 slugging percentage, 895. Uh, that does include the one game in Mexico City, but still, that's what you want to see. Like you want to see the average come up. I mean, 
like I said, he would be worth it hitting 200 uh, in the leadoff spot because he gets on base so much. He's way more worth it hitting 240 with an on-base percentage of 440 and slugging of 500. So it's a great week for him. It's exactly what the Giants want to see and need to see from him. And with their basically full strength back, he's playing first base, and it's it's great. It's exactly everything is falling into place. And Andy homered off a lefty too, which yes. is impressive. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. So his home runs this past week were majestic. the The launch angle on the lefty home run was fantastic. The sound off the bat, it looked like on both pitches, he was like, "Yep, I'm about to jack this one out." <laughs> <laughs> and he he worked him. Uh, Doug, since the start of 2020, can you guess who uh, the any of the top five in win probability added uh, on the Giants are. One of them, I'm guessing, is Lamont Wade Jr. Yes. You it, might be surprised how high he has, is on this list. I wouldn't be surprised because I remember late night Lamont from 2021. All those like ninth inning heroics, that'll that'll just shoot you up the win probability charts yeah. real fast. Lamont Wade is number two. Okay. Buster Posey on there? Buster Posey is number nine. Ah, oh, just for one year, I was thinking maybe. <laughs> no, that's a. I like where your head's at. That was good. <laughs> the the list is not necessarily bleak, but it's you know could be better. Yeah. Uh, so number one, Jock Peterson. Uh, Lamont mm-hmm. Wade Jr. is right behind him. It's two point nine six to two point seven nine. Then we go Mike Yastrzemski, Darren Ruff, and Tyro Estrada. Top five and win probability added. By Fangraph's uh, clutch stat, which drains context, and I wrote about this, I kind of think it's stupid to drain context from a stat called clutch. So, <laughs> but recognizing that they're trying to determine the pure value of a player for like arbitration purposes, I guess it makes sense. But in that stat, Lamont Wade Jr., also number two at 1.42. Wilmer Flores is number one, 1.65. Jack Peterson, number three. 0.70. So it's almost like Jock Peterson is not really performing any better <laughs> than he does in all the, which, which is why the win probability added is still a better measure because it's saying like, Oh, your best hitter is your most clutch. That's better to say <laughs> that makes sense. So it's a, it's a really bizarre step, but anyway, Lamont Wade jr. in in not even two full seasons, right? We're not even talking about two full yeah. seasons. Uh, is is definitely one of the Giants' most clutch hitters, and and everything he's doing, you still like to think is not a mirage. It's but it's becoming less of a question every day. Like the Giants have recognized the skill set in him, and he's putting it to good use. He also looks really healthy. He does look just really sharp and really on it. Yeah, hundred percent. Brian, what did you find concerning this week, Doug? It just doesn't seem like the Giants have their shit together. That's what <laughs> I, I'm not concerned by that. That's normal. I'd be concerned if they did have their <laughs> together. I think I think Elky Cabrera is going to get suspended again. <laughs> I think it's very easy to cite the positives because there are clearly positives. I don't know what's going on with Logan Webb, but there's a part of me between Logan Webb and the defense, and like Michael Conforto. 
uh, it just seems like it's early enough in the season that people aren't locked in yet. And that's what it, that's what concerned me the most was sort of um, is this a Kapler thing, too? Is there maybe one hand on the wheel instead of two? It's very easy to imagine Gabe Kapler driving a Jeep like with one hand. <laughs> it is. He's he's sipping a, he's sipping a coffee with the other one, I think. Right. That's me. Coffee. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'll lump it in now. I'm a little concerned. And then his the story we got about how he took like this fear and loathing in Las Vegas-esque journey after they landed in Mexico <laughs> for him to get to the stadium. I'm like, what's going on with this guy? Is he just like, I have a phalanx of coaches that can handle all the stuff. I just need to show up at the right time and, and do whatever. Um, I don't know. His, his pinch hitting or, or pitching matchups, there is a feeling right now, at least for me, that's like it seems like it's a batter too long in some cases, or you know he's not bringing in a guy maybe a little bit earlier. I think I can understand that the Giants knew the Giants knew this this series was on the schedule, so they were probably like, let's not burn our bullpen before we get to playing at seventy at seventy three fifty uh, elevation. I can I can understand like in my mind I can get it. But it doesn't seem like they're as ready to play every game as they were most of last year, even when they were looking bad, and all of 2021. Doug, what about you? Anything that concerns you? Just a couple of their free agents have looked pretty bad this week. Obviously, Michael Conforto had a bad week. And then, you know, you want to give Sean Manaya some some slack for pitching in Mexico City. But it's not like he was that good, the, the appearance before, where he came in at a relief and then gave up several runs. Um, and like looking at Manaya, he's he's not done well. He's basically had one good appearance this year. Um, the start against the Royals is good. And everything else, you know, again, so against the Padres, five runs and in two innings. Well, okay, you understand that. But against the, the Cardinals, one run and inning and a third, and he looked really bad, and he looked pretty bad. Against the Mets, five runs and three and two-third. Against the against the Tigers, two runs and three and a third, you're just not getting a good pitcher out of Sean Manaya right now, um, no matter how he's being used, which is really concerning. You know, the, the Giants need someone in that, someone in that position who can eat up some innings. And, you know, in, in our previous segment, what we found interesting, I wouldn't say I find Ross Stripling interesting in any way, but he did have a decent appearance this year, this, this week. It wasn't great, but he he was passable and he got the ball to the next guy you know without the giants taking too much damage and manaya just hasn't been doing that lately and i don't know if it's because they're yanking him around rotation to bullpen um and then back or what but he's he's looked bad um and it's it's very concerning his velocity is still at a career best. He's still, even uh, in Saturday's game, he was still throwing 94 to 96 at times. That line drive he took off of Nelson yeah. Cruz's bat was uh, absolutely uh, terrible to listen, to hear, to watch, uh, all of that. But his walk rate, I guess, is, uh, I mean, it's its ridiculous. His walks per nine is, is like 2.8 or something like that. And last year, I'm sorry, his his uh, walk rate is higher than it was last year when it was like, I think, the highest in the league. That's what I'm trying to say. Last year was 2.8 walks per nine. This year, it's 5.4. Yeah, so he's 
the the velocity tick. I think if the Giants had a list of things they needed to improve on uh, on on Sean Manaya, you know, this is like Jordy refurbishing the Enterprise. You know, he's like got one phase of the plan. <laughs> uh, he's like, I've joined part. I fixed this part, but I've got all these other things on the checklist to do. That could be what the Giants are thinking. Um, I guess I always considered the piggybacking of Stripling and Manaya as being just the two of them, but it might, it looks like more and more Wendy Thurm brought this up when she was on a couple weeks ago. And that is, I mean, they might just recognize that this is not a, a short, an easy fix, like to really get in there under the hood uh, and, and deal with it. Or he is just going to be bad. <laughs> and then, and then it just comes down to the giants had a two year deal. So it doesn't matter. But one more concerning thing for me, I'm not happy with the Giants' odds of having a winning season, even if you take in the very logical thing that past history for different teams doesn't reflect future performance or predict it. You wrote about the Giants are playing under their under their performance abilities, and Grant on The Athletic wrote about uh, the Giants' kind of slow start. And then in the series preview, I just went back and I looked at the last 30 years of the Giants records in April and what, you know, how many of those seasons did they wind up uh, being under 500 in April, April or at 500 and then having a 500 season. And uh, so there's been 17 seasons of winning seasons in 30 and one 500 season. And basically there's only been uh, two times, I think, when they've actually wound up going uh, on to have a 500 or better record and uh, 11 and 16 is it is a winning percentage that they've never overcome to uh, have five they they did not overcome to have a 500 or better record so I guess what I'm concerned is, is that you can't win a division in April or make the playoffs in April but you certainly can lose it and I guess to Grant's point you know it's not like the NL West someone's run away with it so it's all very uh, wishy-washy but I guess my concerns are this could go on all year we saw it most last year right that they, they, all the shenanigans kind of just went on all year and this could yeah. be a repeat of that yeah I mean it, it could on the other end if you just instead of looking at April like the, a special month if you just look at it as a month the Giants have had 11 and 16 months the Giants have had 12 and 15 months in seasons where they went on to be 500 um, in both 2014 and 2016, they spent two months being like the worst team in the league. Um, and, you know, they made the playoffs both years. It's just the, not, neither of those months was April. And uh, in 2014, I think it was like June and July or maybe June July swoons, baby. June, June swoons. swoons. <laughs> and then in, in 2016, it was definitely July and August. And so, you know, they can recover from having a bad month. You know, it's just you have to ask the question is this who they really are? So, you know, a lot of the times when they've had bad Aprils, that's been who the team was. And so especially these last 30 years when they haven't had a whole lot on the farm, you know, you look at a team that goes 10 and 10 and 15 or whatever in April, and they have nothing in Fresno or Sacramento, depending on what year it is. And you go, Oh, well, that's it. It's over. Like, what are they going to do? Going to, going to hope that Lance Necro really turns it around. Uh, that's such alert. great. That's such Lance a great Necro point. Will, Lance Necro will never turn it around. 
<laughs> Audience, he did not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a great point. Uh, do you have any other concerns? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's, well, let's take what, let's use your uh, line and into a segue. There is stuff on the farm to talk about. Uh, one of those things being Gary Sanchez. Today is the day that he can opt out of his deal, which I believe is a framework in the in the new collective bargaining agreement that there was a there's sort of a limit now on what those deals can be. I'm pretty sure he's going to opt out of his deal. Uh, I mean, at the time of this recording, he has not. Something could have changed last evening. I'm not sure. But there is also a sense of, is he going to get a better deal elsewhere? I mean, the Giants are offering him a prorated $4 million, and his line is not... I mean, he, he's taken walks, but he has literally one extra base hit, and we don't know what the fielding metrics look like. Is he going to get a better deal elsewhere? Is he going to get a chance to play for the Giants? Two different questions, and I think the answer is actually no and yes. No, he wouldn't necessarily get... No one's going to offer him $4 million prorated for the rest of this year, I think. Maybe, but I think he still has a pretty good chance of coming up and playing for the Giants at some point. I mean, yeah, so I don't think, you know, the Giants could make me look stupid here, right? They could make me look stupid literally today, but <laughs> I don't think they're going to call him up right now. I don't think not right can. now. No, I he's, agree. I mean, yeah, I agree. So this, this is his opt out. He's been much worse than Joey Bart's been, and that's without any adjustment. Just Gary Sanchez's numbers in AAA have been worse than Joey Bart's numbers in San Francisco. Um, if they bring him up to take Blake Sable's place, they lose Blake Sable. I don't think they want to do that. Like you said, Gary Sanchez has one extra base hit. That includes five games that he played in Reno, five starts that he had in Reno, where it is very easy to hit a home run. Um, it is very easy to hit a double. That is where he hit his double, by the way, in Reno. And he still couldn't, he couldn't hit one out. So he's not there yet. He's not a major league caliber hitter right now. I mean, maybe he can be again. Maybe he can't. I don't know. I don't know what the Giants are seeing, but it's so hard to see him getting called up May 1st when he hasn't done anything in April to deserve it. I agree. I, I just think on the player side of things, does that automatically mean, oh, I'm not called up. I need to opt out. You know what I'm saying? Uh does he recognize where his performance level's at? And he could simply say, well, I'll hang around because they, they could, they'd have to release him then. Right. Hold yeah, on. Let me so if he, opts, if he opts out, he's out of the organization. Yeah. But I mean, is someone going to sign him to a major league deal based on what they're seeing? I don't think so. I mean, he, if I were him, I might try to renegotiate with the giants to get another opt out at the end of May. And by then, you know, if it's not working, you just take it and see what you can do somewhere else. Maybe another coaching staff has a better idea. Um, or, you know, maybe he just doesn't like the coaches the Giants have in AAA. I mean, that's also possible that they're, they're just not working well together. We, we don't really have any idea. We just know that whatever was happening with Gary Sanchez, it wasn't working. Players with over six years of MLB service who finished the preceding season on a big league roster. This is coming all from MLB trade rumors. Um, who signed minor league contracts more than 10 days before opening day, now receive three uniform chances to retest, retest free agency if they're not added to the majors. The first comes five days before the start of the season. That one's already passed. For players who pass on that initial opt-out, they have the additional windows to explore the open market on both 
May 1st and June 1st if they've okay, yet to secure yeah. a spot on the 40-man roster. So that's why I, I think I should have just left it at that. Would Gary Sanchez opt out if he's in a situation, if he's in the situation that he's in, which is he doesn't look good. And uh, we don't know how his catching looks. I think it's I think the only chatter I've seen online is it's fine. Like he hasn't been it's but it's at the plate where that's why the offer the Giants have offered him four million dollars. Uh, that's what they're hoping for. And you're 100 percent right. So Patrick Bailey has been called up as well, and he's now in triple A. And Patrick Bailey is a good reminder that you don't have to be me. You don't have to write off the prospects so quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he's certainly, uh, I mean, he hasn't yet to get it going. I think he's only played in two or three games. So he's yet to show. But, I mean, he's hit well enough that now he's the Giants, uh, one of their top prospects, is now in AAA and is at the catcher level. So I think that's pretty exciting. That's definitely worth talking about. and also another sign of like, hey, Gary Sanchez, we're even calling up. Even Giants minor leaguers are impressing us more. <laughs> <laughs> Not something that uh, even the Giants are used to saying or thinking. Um, is there anything you want to say about that or any other minor league going ons that you've, uh, you have you think is worth mentioning? Yeah, I mean, just Bailey, you know, he was not particularly impressive at the start of his, his career. He... Uh, he kind of washed out at the high high A level in 2021, which you don't want to see from a from a college draftee. Uh, they sent him back to Eugene in 2022, and he was not particularly impressive. Like he he hit better than the league average, but he hit 225 with a 342 on base percentage, 419 slugging. That's fine, you know. That's not bad for a catcher, but that's not good enough for a for a top prospect. He gets to Richmond this year and hits 333, 400 on base percentage, 481 slugging. And now suddenly he's he's back to being on top of those, you know, not on top of the prospect list, but a lot higher than he was even a month ago. Uh, so that's, you know, it's credit to the work he's done. There's also probably some sample size issues, if we're being honest, and we're not looking at it with rose-colored glasses. Who knows if that would have lasted all year if he'd stayed there. Um, but... That's what that's what you want to see for a month, even with a four ten Babbitt. Kyle Harrison looks like he's starting to improve a little bit. The strikeouts are still there. Now the strikeouts are going up, and I think the walks are not. The, if you look at his total line, it's bad. But I I checked in on him I think a couple weeks ago, in some sort of uh, sarcastic tweet. I'm like Giants fans, don't look at Kyle Harrison's line <laughs> right now. But they're limiting his exposure. He's only got 12 innings in five starts. And he has 20 strikeouts in those 12 innings, 10 hits, and 17 walks. <laughs> but it lo- my recollection is he, in his last start, he had like eight strikeouts and, and like two or four walks. Something eight, yeah, eight, and that's in exactly three innings. Eight strikeouts and four walks in three yeah. innings. Yeah. So the strikeouts so, are there. The stuff is there. But he needs to hone that control. Yeah. Uh, still, it, we're a month into we're less than a month for the minor league season. You know that that's only been a few weeks. So I mean, I think it's it's been good. He he is developing. That's a positive. So again, very nice that we can even say that about the the minor leagues there. Okay. Well, the Giants will kick off a series in Houston th- for three games against uh, Dusty Baker and the defending world champs and. 
Giants fans, don't look at Mauricio Dubon's line. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, actually, it's really cool what he's doing. And I love that it's kind of confounding um, the StatCast people or the FanGraphs people, you know, because he's not he's not filling out every column. He's not three true outcomes ing enough for people. Uh, okay, Dubon's hitting 302, 327, 385. Not all that great. He had, what, a 20 game hitting streak, though? And he has three walks against nine strikeouts <laughs> and OPS plus of 100. But that's his season for now. And he, um, but he's coming off a really hot streak that got the fans excited for Dubon. Doobie is now big. He's now big in Houston, Doug. He's huge in Houston. He's huge sin. <laughs> uh, yeah, his in the last last week or so, his his stuff has kind of gone down. His OPS has gone down a little bit. Anyway, then they're going to play three against the Brewers in San Francisco. Which there's a part of me that's like, man, if the Giants can get it going, get it hot. I mean, Corbin Burns, he's not going to be a Brewer after this season, probably. He, he might be an interesting guy for them to get the trade deadline, but it doesn't matter if they're coasting around 500. Um, Doug, is there anything you have planned to write for this week? Uh, I'll probably write about Mexico City on Tuesday, the series uh, in general. Um, you know, one of the things that Sean Estes said right after the game on Saturday that kind of stuck with me was he was just like, he was trying to put a good face on it, I think. And then he just stopped and was like, that's not real baseball. That's that's not, <laughs> um, which you know if you watch the game is true. So I'm gonna I'll talk about that. You know, so that's kind of the negative. It feels like there are better ways to mitigate that with the humidor the that the the league didn't choose to do, but also kind of the upside of having baseball in a new environment, which is always a good thing to get major league players. You know, obviously have a baseball stadium there, but to have major league baseball in a new city, I think that's fun for a lot of people. And it's really interesting. And, you know, so there's there's pros and cons. I'm going to write about those giant weird maquette or statue things that were around the stadium. Oh, yes. For the game. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm dry running this this thought. They, they the faces looked like golden eye characters. <laughs> like the weird, <laughs> yeah. weird turn of the century polygons. Uh, it, was, it was bizarre. Um yeah, so check out Doug at giantsdoug.substack.com. Check me out at mccoveychronicles.com. Te- uh, check out other podcasts on the Fans First Sports Network, our, our current home. Yes. On Twitter right now, at Fans First SN, Fans First Sports Network. Have podcasts for every sport, almost every sport that uh, that you can think of. Check them out. They're the pickleball podcast is so good i i recommend it very highly yes the very big that's that's the new up and coming show it's a new show uh, also this episode's coming out in the week i hope we finally get our logo because right now it looks like we're in mourning the giants contest the key art is just a black square but we're here and we'll be back next week with an all-new episode until then Go Giants!